Hey everybody, welcome back to Engage on 101.5 UMFM. Today we are going to be speaking with Scope. It's going to be a really exciting conversation. We're happy to have them on. Yeah, Scope is a nonprofit registered charity. They provide housing, employment, volunteer opportunities for people who are living with mental illness through environmentally friendly social enterprise ventures. They are self-starting creative opportunities for people in employment. So I guess without further ado, you guys can go ahead and introduce yourselves and a little bit about your role at Scope. Hi, uh, so my name's Sadeha. I am the communication specialist here at Scope, but also that's just one of the many hats I wear here, um, as we all do when, when working here with Scope. Um, my role basically entails all the communications and emails and basically anything Angela here needs me to do. I'm Angela McCoggan. I'm the executive director here at Scope, and Salia basically helps me to run my life. She's fantastic. <laughs> Sweet. So how long have you both individually been with Scope exactly? So I started this June. So it hasn't been a long time, but I feel like I've been working here for a long time now. Yeah. In a good way. In a good way. In a good way. Yeah. Um, so I actually was on the board of directors at Scope um, for almost 10 years before I became the executive director. And I've been the executive director for just over five years. Amazing. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the kind of programs and services that you guys are offering the community? So we provide, like you had stated, uh, we provide employment for people living with mental health issues when in their recovery, they are ready to venture into either some employment or some volunteer opportunities. We have many different diverse business um social enterprise business streams. Uh, we cut grass, we shovel snow, electronic waste recycling. Um, we have a thrift store, we have a bike shop. Uh, we do hoarding cleanouts. We do home store packages for kids aging out of care. Uh, we move people. We basically do anything um, that is good for our clients, good for the community, anything to help people maintain employment, anything um, that helps the environment. So we're always looking for different niche markets. So one of some of the markets that we've found over the pandemic are we have been delivering COVID meals to those who have been having to isolate in residences where they did not have the ability to cook or to store food. So we've been delivering meals every day. So some people that are living in rooming houses or maybe in some hotels that are isolating to help protect the rest of us or you know waiting for test results to come back to see if they're positive. We've also started delivering uh, hampers, Manitoba harvest hampers to people who are waiting for test results or having to isolate because they have COVID in to people who have the ability to cook or store food. So yeah, we've found some niche markets during this pandemic that have enabled us to not only survive, but thrive during the pandemic. We've increased our um, capacity and our employment for people, you know, whether that's our casual employees or that's our inner staff, um, you know, our, our team staff who mostly all are also living with mental health issues. That's uh, that's a lot of things that you guys do within the community. That's awesome. It's good to hear that, you know, the range is so good, I guess. You know, no pun intended, the scope is so large. <laughs> yes, it is. Since we're on the topic of the pandemic, what were some of the challenges, I guess, you know, as COVID-19 started coming into play, you know, hopefully sort of things are going to be getting back into a bit more of a groove now. People are getting used to kind of, you know, what we need to do to be able to get through this. But what were things like? What were some of the challenges that COVID-19 presented? So when we were in our old location and the pandemic got announced and all the doors were closed, 
right? All of the city of Winnipeg doors were closed. All of provincial doors were closed. The retail store doors were closed. And the population that we deal with um, are teetering on the edge of homelessness anyway, or are precariously housed. So at our old location on Arlington, we had a thrift store and I made a decision to turn our thrift store into a 24 seven safe space for the homeless so that they had somewhere to be 24 hours a day. So we cleared everything out of our thrift store. Yes, my staff thought I had kind of lost it temporarily or permanently. Um, we gave away actually everything in the thrift store and then anything we couldn't give away, we stored in the back and yeah, we became a 24 seven safe space for those who were most marginalized, living with mental health issues and homeless. So that was one of the things that we started doing. So we continued to do that. And then we really needed more space. And we had recognized even prior to COVID that housing was a really big issue for people living with mental health issues or who are wanting that employment piece, because it's very difficult to be employed when you are, don't have a home, right? And many people find themselves with unstable housing because of, of their mental health issue. So we had decided at a, at a higher level to venture into housing. So then we had an opportunity to move into our new location, which is at 865 Main Street, where we had a lot more room for a lot more people. So throughout the pandemic, we have had room for between 46 and 86 people, depending on the time of year. And so we started with only emergency housing. So 24-7 housing for those um, that needed it. So three meals a day, showers, laundry, support tier, computers, phones. And actually during the pandemic, at one point in time in the entire city of Winnipeg, there were seven computers and two phones that were available to the public to use for free. And we had six of those computers in one of those phones. So that's how difficult it was for people who were homeless during that time. So since we've been here, um, we've changed uh, from all of our building being a 24-7 safe space to the upstairs is a new social enterprise. So it's a model, a social enterprise model housing. So we have 46 people staying upstairs and all the rents are based, it's room board and supportive housing, and it's based on employment and income assistance rates. So it's $5.89 a month. It gets you all your meals, your showers, your toilet trees, computers, phones, laundry, pretty much everything. Yeah. So, we, and, and the people who live in the housing pretty much work in the housing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they're employed through it. That's amazing. Would you both individually want to touch on what this work actually means to you, just individually speaking? Yeah, of course. I guess I could start with that. So for me, I've always, before even landing on Scope, I've always wanted to do something where I'm helping someone or anyone um, and make a difference through that. And I couldn't have gotten a better opportunity. Like coming to Scope was completely random. It wasn't expected. I kind of, I, I remember asking Angela, like, what does this position even mean? And she's like, you're going to make it up and figure it out. And that's exactly what's happened. And I feel like for me, the most valuable part of working here at Scope is one, getting to know the stories of so many individuals and building those relationships with them. It completely changes the lens through how I view just the world now even, and even Winnipeg and the individuals here. I think that's very important. And then getting that firsthand experience, I can go back now in my community and like, you know, educate people on those stories that they often don't encounter or hear. And that also bring, sheds light for many other people. So I, I, for me, it's very important and it's it's a fulfilling job to do. Um, yeah, I only have great things to stay, say about working here. And for me, uh, mental health has been my life's work. Um, I come from, you know, four gener generations of women who all struggle with mental health issues. I didn't have 
um, I struggled with mental health until I actually reached menopause and nobody told me that mental health was an issue during menopause. So I'm grateful that I did have the struggle with the anxiety and the depression because as much as I understood it before, I, I really get it. I feel it now. Um, you know, we deal and, and interact with the most marginalized of the marginalized. People that um, are homeless, that are mentally ill, that are dealing with addictions. And we're, we're very low barrier. Actually, we're almost no barrier. The only barrier to staying here is bad behavior. So you can be um, you can be living with an addiction issue. You could be living with whatever that looks like. It doesn't matter. It's totally irrelevant. What's relevant is that your behavior is appropriate. So yeah, I, I you know I am just so fortunate that the people that I build relationships allow me to be a part of their life. And yeah, yeah like it it's just it's, <clears throat> it is a completely different perspective on life. And when you see somebody who didn't believe in themselves at all, had completely given up hope, was living on the street, was addicted, had no identification, family had abandoned them, or they lost sight of, of their family, children are in care, right? There's trauma, there's residential schools. Between 85 and 100% of the people who stay here identify as Indigenous, Métis, or Inuit. We're dealing directly with people who are the descendants or survivors of residential schools. And the fact that they let me in their life is amazing. And to watch them thrive is to, to watch somebody who, you know, um, had been there to, to watch them all of a sudden be volunteering and to watch them participating and to watch them be part of the community. You know, we have people here who who came to stay with us because they had nowhere else to stay. Maybe they were, you were, they were the guy, I'm sure you, you know about, you know, there's the corporate offices on Main Street, the WRHA corporate offices, and in the middle of the two, there's that opening, and that's where people who sniff gas hang out, right? Their, their own community there. We had a gentleman that came that, that was doing that, and he came, and he used to get beaten up all the time, um, and he came in here, and he was staying with us, and he was safe, and he wasn't getting beaten up anymore, and he wasn't, you know, doing as much of that, and then he really stopped, and he was one of my best volunteers, my absolute best volunteers. And and then all of a sudden somebody decided that it would be a good idea for him to go live in independent housing. Well, he did. And he went back to his old ways because he needs that support. Not everybody, you know, the colonial dream of independent housing isn't for everybody. Some people need that supportive housing. So he's actually back here and he's thriving again. Mm. Those are those are the stories that make my heart so happy. That's the reason I do what I do. And the impact that they have on my life is phenomenal. And, you know, I used to say to people, how can I help you? I don't say that anymore. I say, you know what? I really need your help. And their eyes light up and they're so excited because all of a sudden they have purpose and, and they're needed by somebody else, right? They're helped and they're valued. Yeah. It's incredible to hear that you guys have so much passion for the work you do, why you do it. And it speaks a lot to why it's so important to have places like Scope within the community, just hearing those stories that you just mentioned. So it's good to hear for on my part that we have people that are passionate about what they're doing in these positions and that, you know, these organizations continue to do the work that's needed within the community. How can people become more involved in what you guys are doing and what what's going on there at Scope, whether or not they want to access your programming or access some of your resources, or even if they just want to help out, how can people become involved? 
Well, we're always open to taking volunteers. Like there's always work here to be done. We also put out calls on social media. If you ever follow our Instagram, scope.inc. But uh, it's awareness. Yeah, it's just awareness throughout. Awareness, right? Um, Donations, donations. We accept all kinds of donations in our thrift store. Um, you know, good quality clothing, um, furniture, stuff like that. So another thing that we do, another little niche market we have is we, I think I mentioned it, is we provide home starts for kids aging out of care, so aging out of CFS, and also people maybe that are getting discharged from hospital that lost all their belongings. So we put together a package. It's got a new bed, new bedding, sheets, pillows, towels, a couch, chair, coffee tables, kitchen table, coffee maker, microwave, like everything you could possibly need to start. We also take donations to put those together. So those are $495. And then we go out and stage it, right? Mm -hmm. So we deliver it, we stage it, we set it up. So the person walks in and everything's, the towels are hung in the bathroom, right? Shower curtains on the shower rod, new beds made. Yeah. So anything. And then I just want to mention that our core business streams, we are we are self-sufficient by the revenue that our business streams bring in. So we do not look for funding for our core business streams. What we do get funding for is things like we're doing a program for culturally appropriate programming mm-hmm. for those Indigenous and uh, Métis Inuit or anybody else who wants to participate in that. Because there's a real disconnect from the generations. You know, when I heard, I was talking to um, a couple of my colleagues yesterday and they just finished running a workshop and it was mentioned that just some of the very very basic indigenous you know rules like the seven sacred teachings they didn't not not that they didn't know what the seven sacred teachings were they didn't even know of them they had never heard of it before like that is heart-wrenching all of that was ripped out of people through residential schools right it's just so all of that all of that anytime we also you know we did a big service during covid for seniors So we got some funding through New Horizons for Seniors program so that they wouldn't be so alienated, right? So that we could, you know, keep them in the loop. It was very difficult on people who were already isolated. So yeah, but our main, I come from a business background. So to me, it has to make sense from a business standpoint. And the only difference between, you know, a regular for-profit business and us is our our profits go go right back into our members. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as well, like in regards of like how I think even universities, because I see that this is a UM podcast, so I'm assuming university students listen. Um, We, like Angela mentioned, we do offer programming here. So something that I started here was baking. So we do baking twice a week and a lot of our residents really look forward to that. And it's it's, it's just heartwarming to see them get excited for that. so even if anyone's interested in maybe leading like an art related workshop or even like guiding some of us here uh, and volunteering their time, you know, that would be something that we could we would appreciate. Um, otherwise, like donations for clothes or shoes, like all those things go towards to, to people who need them directly. Like we even do outreach where we hand them out if we see anyone. Um, so whatever is given to us, it gets to the right place for sure within, you know, fast because things are always needed so i kind of just wanted to put that out there too 100 percent. would you be able to speak to some of the long-term goals of scope as an organization oh yeah we're just gonna keep doing what we're doing (laughs) and we're gonna we're gonna do it here and we're gonna do it again and we're gonna do it again and we're gonna do it again 
and we're going to create some other types of housing because what we've noticed is that so we've had people come in here you know as an example a young lady came in here she was addicted she was also pregnant so she came in here to live with us in our supportive environment she kicked the drug habit so that she could have a healthy baby she lived here she moved into villa rosa which is a home for unwed mothers essentially uh had her baby and then they moved her into independent housing so and she's doing okay but she struggles without the support so she comes here quite often so that we can you know provide this she knows that she can walk in and my guest services will grab the baby or i'll grab the baby and like just to take that load off right like it's very difficult you you're alienated and you're isolated and we want housing we want that that second stage housing in our parking lot right so that she can live there and then we're just like a two minute walk away when she needs us when she needs that support right that's that's what we need we're a community here we're very much like an encampment, except you have a roof over your head, food available, it's safe, but it's a community. And our community decides what our community wants. Mm-hmm. So we don't tell them. We have focus groups and say, okay, what do you want? What does this look like to you? What would you like? And that's the difference, right? And we also, even our emergency our emergency shelter. So when you decide that you want a mat here, so you sign up for your mat and you stay here overnight and you get our services and then you get up in the morning, you state whether or not you want to come back and get that mat for the next night. And as long as you come back, it's there for you again. If you do not come back, then you lose it. Or if you don't say you want it, then you lose it. But otherwise it's you keep that mat until you decide to give it up. Plus, if they want to volunteer or be involved with the programming that we have going on uh, at the given day, um, they're welcome to stay as long as like you're doing something with that time and and learning some type of skills. Um, And I don't know if you already mentioned this before, but with our residents, we often offer them like volunteer opportunities and then work opportunities to give them those basic skills that I feel like a lot of other jobs and places don't like to give out. So we really try and set them up with all the things that we can offer uh, for success in the future. That's awesome. That's really good to hear. And very touching stories. Just, uh, you know, hearing some of these firsthand experiences, those are definitely things that touch my heart. And it's good to hear. I know that you guys do a lot of work you know, with very marginalized people, people who face a lot of barriers here in society, whether it be due to colonialism or just other things, right? There's so many factors that can come into play. But does your organization face any barriers? Do any barriers come to mind that, you know, can prohibit you guys from doing the great work that you guys do? <laughs> yeah, um, we're pretty, we're trailblazers here, right? We're doing some things that other people aren't doing. And that sometimes is difficult because people don't understand what we do works. I've proven it works. We've all proven it works, my team and I, right? But because we are trailblazers, it's very difficult to get governments to believe in in what you're doing. So we're waiting actually to secure the funding for our building. We've uh, applied to something called the Rapid Housing Initiative through uh, the federal government to purchase the building. And we'll be finding that out on December 1st. Yeah. So that is a huge barrier, right? So yes, getting, and and let's, the social return on investment is incredible. A hospital stay, so it costs somebody, it costs, even if if someone's on EIN and they're not working to pay their their room and board, and and a lot of our clients are working, they've moved up to that, right? It costs you $19 a day, $19.50 for all of the services that we provide for one day, $589 a month. You take that person, you incarcerate them, you put them in a hospital, right? You pick them up by the police, you put them in the remand center, 
all of that, that is costing you way more money than that. So the social return on investment is astronomical. Like one ambulance ride is what, 500 bucks? They don't have money to pay it. So you know what? Society's paying for it. All you had to do was put them in a bed so they didn't get, right? They weren't out on the street getting frostbite and have, and then having to be on top of the ambulance, right? You got to hospitalize them for a month. So what is that costing society? Mm-hmm. 46% of the city of Winnipeg's budget goes to emergency services, 46%. But they have a very difficult time, all three levels of government buying in, right? Because they don't understand that social return on investment. I think it's changing a little bit, but it's just, yeah, it's it's the way that they're, the monetary system works within government, right? It's just not meant to recognize that social return on investment. So yeah, that is one of the largest barriers. Also procurement opportunities with governments, right? I don't want your charity. Don't give me your charity. Give me your work. That's what I want. You know, we were out, we have a lot of snow customers right now. So that's one of the things we do is we do snow shoveling. I actually went out on a crew because we had all of a sudden we had all these customers. So I had to go out and we got all that snow, you know, a couple of weekends ago. So I went out and some of the people I took were people that used to, you used to see drinking on Main Street right? Or lying on the sidewalk on Main Street that people would walk by because they wanted to get to buy something. They were out with me and they were out with my operations manager shoveling snow, happy as can be because somebody finally gave them a chance and somebody believed in them. That's the difference we make. Very good to hear. It sounds incredible. I'd love to take a stop by and come check out the organization at some point. For any of our our listeners, what would be the best route for supporting you guys, finding out about what y'all have going on? Would it be Instagram, your website? What's What's the best way to go about that? I feel like speaking to students, since I am until recently was a student too, I feel like checking out our Instagram, definitely sharing those posts, um, if we have, if, if there's like an ask for donations, sharing those. And like, I find I'm a hoarder. I have a lot of stuff that I don't touch. And then when I give it here, I see someone using it. And like, you know, you're giving one per something old for one person is another thing that's gold for, I said that, I butchered that, but you know what I mean? Um, I think we can, there's a lot of value in donating things you can give them a new life and also just spreading the word for this um, and bringing awareness. I think that is very important because a lot of people don't seem to know about scope and what we do and social media has the power to change that. So I think that's something I would say. Yeah. Our website, talk about it, talk about it, talk about mental health, please talk Mm -hmm. about it. You know, I'm so sick of hearing let's reduce the stigma. You know, we have the let's talk once a year, we have whatever, whatever. And it's just like, no, nobody's really, it's your generation and I'm counting on. Mm-hmm. It's yours that I'm counting on to stop the stigma, to stop people from crossing the street because they see somebody who's got a mental health issue, mm-hmm. right? Please talk about it. Talk about it. And also like it's, it, it doesn't hurt to just say hello and also talk to them, you know, just a smile, just anything small, make those relationships with people that you see there often. It's worth it. You, you'll get to know a life story of someone and it, it will blow your mind. You know, I think that's very important. Just viewing people as human as well, regardless of how they may seem or how they may look. Cause at the end of the day, we're all the same. Amen to that. So to all of our listeners, please go and follow their social media, go to their website, of course, get out in person, um, do the things that they're talking about. And yeah, they could for sure use your help just because of the, the amount of work that they do in the community. I think the more people that are involved, you know, the more that we can do and we can all, you know, kind of 
get on the same page, I think it's better. Before we wrap up here, are there any events or specific things that you guys wanted to plug in quickly? Yeah, we actually have, um, have we even named it yet? We've got uh, four events coming up. They're, they start on Friday, the December the 1st. They're every Friday and it's all about food, music, art, mental health. Some of it's done outside, some of it's done inside. So yes, that's one of our events coming up. We also have, we're doing a toy drive for our community. So a lot of the people in our community have children in care and they're working on reconciliation with them, reunification. So we're making sure that all of them have something to give their children. Mm. So, you know, toys, um, new clothing, whatever that looks like. So kids anywhere from newborns to 17 years old. So we're doing that. And and these are people who, who don't have access to the cheer board, right? They're, they're so marginalized that they wouldn't even know what that is. So yeah, those are a few of the events that we're, we've got going on so yeah please look uh, on our social media check out our website all that'll be coming out very very soon all right yeah definitely everyone listening pay attention to scope go see what they're doing go give them a follow on instagram before we wrap up here something we'd like to ask our guests being that we air on umfm is if you'd like to pick what song would play following the interview yeah bob cajun tragically hit <laughs> all right oh that was quick Sounds good. So we'll get that set up. Thank you both so much for taking the time out of your afternoon to come and speak to us today. This has been a pleasure. Of course, thank you. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Really appreciate it. Of course, anytime. And we'll both for sure find some time to come down and visit. So it's it's been incredible. This has been Engage on UMFM 101.5. We were just speaking with the organization Scope. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll see you next week. Bye.